0: And welcome to the Post Game Rap Bulldogs coming from behind tonight, catapulting themselves into the winner's bracket on Friday, a 6-5 to come-from-behind win over Virginia. I'm Bark Gregory along with Charlie Winfield here on the Post Game Rap Show. Got a, another guest in the studio tonight, Josh Lovelady, former Bulldog catcher, going to step in here with us and try to dissect this one. And I'll tell you what, guys, that was one for the ages tonight. Charlie... For the first seven innings of the game, I mean, I had to apologize to my family. I literally had to apologize to my family the way I acted. I was moping around the house. That guy was just – McGarry was outstanding in the first seven. And if you want to talk about the tale of two games, tonight was that night.
1: I actually spent the night starting in about the sixth inning just kind of lapping the town in my car, listening to Jim Ellis and Jay Powell. It was just in everybody's best interest that I be away. But we come back and win, and all I could think about, Bart, we had Josh here on a Sunday morning back right before the season started, and you said, what is the separation point for teams at the highest levels? And you told us, "Inning seven through nine, how prophetic tonight.
0: And Josh, this game started in the seventh inning tonight, or the eighth inning tonight. And the eighth inning on, hey, it was good for the good guys.
2: Yeah, I think um, anytime the bullpen gate opens, like we said early on in the season, it changes the whole dynamic of the mindset of the hitters, and as soon as the bullpen gate opened tonight night for Virginia, you could tell um, our guys really thought that they had a chance, and and they stayed in the game, and, and they never gave up, because you know, it showed a lot of resiliency to me, because early on, some of the swings we were taking um, against their guy was not very good, which... Give that guy the benefit of the doubt. He was very good um, mixing pitches, got ahead of a lot of our hitters, but showed a lot to me that our guys stayed in there and fought, fought all the way to the end, and we came out on top tonight. So, Josh, talking to Josh Lovelady, Josh,
0: real quick, I mean, talking about how that eighth inning unfolded, you've got Kellum Clark that comes out, the freshman. First of all, Scotty DeBrule, that was a good walk to get everything started. It was almost like we needed a lengthy at bat. We went what five through seven in there, and McGarry really had some quick innings, and it was almost like we need somebody to get on base. You needed that leadoff walk to start the eighth inning. He got the leadoff walk, and that was really the first time tonight McGarry had some big misses, and you could begin to tell he was slipping just a little bit because he he really didn't have that outside corner. He was having some big misses that we haven't seen so far tonight.
1: That was an eight pitch at bat for De Brule. Yeah. so you talk about needing that long at bat. Because look, we gave him some quick innings. And I'm thinking we gotta run this guy to the ball game. We're throwing up five pitch innings there in the middle innings. I thought that was really one of the first times that we worked to count had a productive at bat, and then Kellum Clark just does what he's capable of doing. He just brings some pop to the bottom of the order, he ran into one.
0: Yeah, I mean got the fastball right there. Got the fastball right there, went after it, drew it out of the yard, and all of a sudden it's a 4-2 game. And so you cut the lead in half at that time. Josh, did it surprise you that Virginia went to the bullpen right there? You're still under 100 pitches. And I know we kind of had the same situation with Bednar two nights ago when you – you know, you give up the hit, then you go to Landon Sims. You kind of extend Landon just a little bit, and so it's almost like the first time, first sign of anything negative in that latter innings. You're going to the bullpen. That's what Brian O'Connor does tonight. Is he goes to the bullpen? Did you think that was really too
2: quick? You know, and I and I was not in the Virginia dugout, but yes, I did think it was a little quick. Um, you know, if it, if you dissect the game, uh, the way McGarry threw it. Obviously, the first innings just getting comfortable. Then, you know, what we call as autopilot mode. I mean, it was just everything was getting ahead of our hitters. And, you know, he was putting us away. And we've got some really good hitters. But, you know, we really just didn't have a chance to get any good hitters counts because every time we looked up, it was 0-1, 2 and he was making a good out pitch. Um, so, it, you know, it did look tough for us there for a while because we really couldn't get any good swings off. and the, And the swings that we did get off, it was right at him. And, you know, to an extent, as as a in the mindset of a player, when that happens, you kind of think, "Oh, this isn't our night." You know, we we we're not getting many swings off, but the swings off that we get are rockets hit right at people. Well, you know, we we have a really good at bat in the in the eighth, and uh, then you know uh, we run one out of the yard, and and the entire game changes. But you know, it may have been tough for us to to score four against that guy because he he didn't necessarily lose it. Um, but, you know, Connor thought it was good to go to their bullpen, and, you know, good for us. As soon as the gate opened to their bullpen, everything changed, and, and, um, you know, obviously Rowdy's big hit and Tanner's home run as well, but it, it completely changed the dynamic of the game.
1: All right, here's the thing I want to jump in and I want to talk about because you get the home run from Clark, then you get the Josh Hatcher single. He just beats out a ball, hit the short.
0: I want to talk about that real quick, real quick before you get there. Jay Powell sent out the text, uh, text, a tweet a minute ago. And Jay, of course, doing the color with, with Jim, and, and Jay's always so insightful. And Jay hit the obvious tonight with that at bat with Josh Hatcher and so many other moves. I thought tonight was one of the nights where Chris Lamonis and his group pushed a lot of buttons from the third, fourth inning on. Now, conversely, you could probably say we may have left – Christian McLeod in the game a little bit too long. I understand the point. You're at a game two of a College World Series. You're trying to get your your starter who's had a tough start. You're trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But we could all tell Christian McLeod didn't have it tonight. But I thought from the fourth inning on with what we did with making moves, and in the eighth inning you go to a Josh Hatcher who hasn't had it at bat in a long, long time in a very meaningful, in the most meaningful game of the season.
1: And he gets an infield base hit. And he was down two strikes. Down two strikes. And he came in, he gets a ball, then gets a couple of strikes, then he fouls one off. And look, uh, and he had some swinging strikes. But you know what he did? You know what he did? He adjusted, went the other way. it! did he not? Did I mean, he not? And that's the thing we talked about with Josh Hatcher all year long, is he is a better hitter when he will use the left side of the field.
2: Yeah, when he – when he is staying on the ball, so to speak, uh, he's really, really going well. And that, that was a really big at bat, especially for, you know, where the momentum was heading for us. Um, you know, I, I really do think that, you know, in the in the entire dynamic of the game in regard to the management of the game, it, it was really, really fun to watch. You know, if you appreciate the game inside the game, uh, it, it was really fun to watch the way that Coach Lamonis and the staff managed the game, you know, because – really when you when your starter that you're counting on to go you know six plus has to come out early um you have to make some crucial decisions because you think about runs and you're trying to be proactive as to what may happen next or later in the game and you know they they did a really good job at putting the guys in there that could keep it you know right where it was and kind of damage control so to speak and and not give up any more runs and
1: it worked out for us in the end all right so i want to i want to go where i was headed I'm sorry. Apologize. No, no, it's a a good point. It's an important stop along the way. Here's my point, though. Hatcher, then Jordan. I want a footnote, bookmark right here to discuss the base running. We'll come back to that. Tanner Allen comes up. They've gone to the pin. First base is open to the SEC player of the year. He is a left-handed hitter. And you're going to bring a guy in who is going sidearm on a ball coming into his swing path? What are you doing there?
0: Well, let me say this. The first three at-bats for Tanner tonight, he was absolutely putrid. Okay. He was putrid. But he's still
1: Tanner Allen.
0: Oh, no, no, no. He popped out to short. He struck out in the fourth and the sixth innings. And to be honest with you, it looked as bad as Tanner has looked all season long because what does he not do? He does not take big swings in those situations, and he doesn't chase. He took big swings, and he chased. So he did not look good. So I'm looking at my scorecard saying,
1: hey, we got this cat. We got we got this cat. No, you're not. No. You're <laughs> saying that's what they're doing? You know better because well, you've watched Tanner Allen play too long. Yeah,
0: so therein lies the point. It's not like you're bringing a lefty fireballer out of the bullpen who has a you know, sweeping breaking ball. I you're mean, bringing a drop-down right-hander. And, and Josh, we're talking to Josh Lovelady. Josh, drop-down right-hander. That's coming right into his wheelhouse.
2: Just talk about the at-bats from Tanner Allen early. I mean, even if you're in the opponent's dugout and you're managing the game, no matter how bad his at-bats have been tonight, you still, like we said, have to be reminded that he's one of the best players, if not the best player in America. And, you know, I... That goes back to McGarry. He was very good, and obviously he had some stuff that could really do some damage, even to our better hitters. And they took swings we haven't really seen all year. But at the end of the day, there was one out at that time of the game. There's an open base. Uh, if Virginia walks him, and you know Cameron James happens to hit a ground ball, it could be a double play. So the whole game could have changed. I'm glad they threw it to him. I'm really glad they threw it to him, but. I would say that I would have probably, without even throwing to him, just pointed at first and say, "Look, we're putting him on."
0: Well, I understand the point too. Okay, I'm I'm trying to be nice because you you call let's just call it what it is. You're trying to you. you what's the old adage? You never put the go ahead run on the bases. But in that situation, if you walk Tanner Allen, if you walk Tanner Allen, and you got one out and the bases loaded. What's the chances with the way when our swings that tonight? What's our chances of putting together three runs? If you got the bases loaded and one out, what's the chances there?
1: Well, not great because I think you've got a better matchup. And I get it, Cameron James hit a ball hard to left field, so it wasn't like he came up and looked silly the next at bat. But I like that matchup. I'll take that my chances there better than I will throwing to Tanner Allen. The other thing we got to go. They went to shock there. Okay, one of the things that we've talked about is people treat relief pitchers like it's a video game. It doesn't matter if I used him an hour ago or two days ago that I can just go right back to him. He'd throw a lot of pitches.
0: Well, look at Landon Sims tonight. Landon Sims Sims looked like the old man on Major League. He was up there throwing anything he could throw other than a fastball. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) If he could have found some Vaseline and some rosin tonight, he's trying to figure out how – somehow to spin a breaking ball he threw slider after slider after slider what did he top out at 89
1: 89, i think i sent somebody a message saying he does not trust his fastball over the middle of the plate if he throws it it's not going to be in the zone and we saw you see go back that last at bat where he gets the strikeout those balls are up and in man The the elevated fastball still
2: was key tonight i mean it just shows you how much of a competitor Sims is. He he wants the ball no matter how he feels. And, I, and you know, whether he's 100%, which he was not tonight, he still wanted the ball, knew he could get it done. I've, I'm a firm believer that if we would have brought him in for six outs, he would have gotten all six outs and probably would not even have allowed a base runner. So he's just a fierce competitor, and he's our guy. We won on the mound at that
1: time. So So let me ask you about that. I was having some discussions with some people at the time. And so they were saying, why don't you go Sims to start the eighth? And I said, look, you're up two runs. You're just going to try to steal as many outs as you can before you have to go to him. Any issues there with the way we manage that? You know, I, it's in terms of the matchup for that
2: particular part of the, the game, Stone Simmons, Houston Harding, it just depends on the matchups for hitters. Um, you know, Obviously, Stone Simmons, as he comes in the games, it, it's a very short leash. One good thing that that a lot of people may not think about, and obviously this really doesn't matter for this year though, but if if you put a kid like Stone Simmons in that situation, um, you know, it it almost is just prepares him for what if he's in that situation next year. He, he's not going to be afraid of of any situation he's put in next year, which that's one good thing or one positive to take out of that. Um, but, yeah, obviously in that situation, he's got to be on a really short leash, kind of like what we did tonight.
0: I had no problem with the home run. I mean, he, he was he went away. The guy poked it out the left field. It's a nine-hole hitter. He goes the other way. Man, I tell you what, Skinner covered a lot of oh ground to get to the wall right there, and I thought he had hurt himself, to be honest with you. But, man, he really hit that wall hard. But I had no problem with that pitch from Stone Simmons. I could just tell from the first at bad. He kinda got away with one right there. You go two oh, you get the line drive, you get out. And uh it was almost like Virginia gifts you an out right there because you could tell Stone the moment was was pretty big right there. The the heart was tapping a little bit. Well, and I
1: think his first two pitches were in the dirt. They were. Uh and several of his first <laughs> ten pitches were in the dirt. Uh what about Cade Smith? Hey, we use eight guys tonight.
0: We used that. We used eight pitchers in a college world series game. And hey, before we jump into that, we're in the Bank First Studios here in Startwell, Mississippi. Bank First, they've got locations throughout the state of Mississippi and Alabama. They're a growing bank, and they do it right. Their commercial lending's on fire right now. They are hot and they are loaning a bunch of money right now. There's a lot of stuff going on in Mississippi and Alabama, especially over in Tuscaloosa area with the Jackson market, the Flowood market, the Madison market, the Hattiesburg market with John Chapley, those guys down there. Bank First, if you're looking to refinance your mortgage, you can go to Brian Sistrunk, Jimmy McPherson, all these guys, they do it right in the Bank First bringing you our studios. And so, all right, Charlie, what you got?
1: I, it just occurred to me how different this is from a couple of days ago. Because we got together and did the post-game wrap after that Texas game. And you basically said, Charlie, what do you got? And it was, well, Will Bednar was incredible. Landon Sims was incredible. Uh, what else? It's a boring game. Yeah. Uh, what, what else is there to say? <laughs> I got nothing. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's head on home. And the thing is, there are so many things to talk about in this game and so many different people that contributed that you could almost be here all night long talking about guys, and I feel bad, you know, because I'm sitting here, you know, we've been talking about big plays in this ball game, but Preston Johnson, oh, my Chase Patrick, Chase Patrick comes in and does what Chase Patrick is asked to do. He throws three pitches and gets you the double play. He's a guy with sync. And talk about managing, that's pushing the right button. Yeah, that was a perfect
2: time. I knew as soon as our, our bullpen gate opened to bring him in, I knew exactly what Coach Lamonis was thinking. We Let's get a ground ball double play and get out of this, and it worked out perfect. Um, and, and that guy, geez, the pitches that he made, uh, you could tell he was really locked in and, and really a guy that we can use later this week if we need him. Um, so that's a really good sign. And, and using eight guys, man, what an experience for those guys and and for the future.
0: That's, that's exactly what I'm saying and what you just said a moment ago, Josh, talking to Josh Lovelady, former Bulldog catcher, in the studios with us right now, and you talk about all those guys that came in. What an experience tonight for Preston Johnson, for Chase Patrick, for Parker Stinnett to come in and throw in an inning into third. He struck out one. He gave up a couple of hits. Cam Tuller coming in. Cade Smith. Cade Smith got the win tonight. How about that? Cade Smith threw an inning. Clean slate. Walk one guy, though. And then Stone Simmons pitched – you know, two-thirds of the eighth inning. You talked about that experience, and then Landon Sims. It's almost like Landon Sims is the old boy. It's like the old boy out there, you know. He's like he's like the, the old-timer <laughs> out there
1: <laughs> spinning sliders, man. Um, we only struck out six tonight, and Preston Johnson had half of those. He
0: had three of them. Preston had three of those. Okay, so did it surprise you if we start talking about Houston Harding? Did it surprise you that Houston Harding was not the first out of the pen? Do you think do you think if it's a two-nothing game in the second inning that you see Preston that you see Houston Harding instead of Preston Johnson?
1: I put on Twitter in the first we had not even made it to the second inning that I would send Houston Harding to the bullpen and I would tell him to start warming with a purpose.
0: And right now, Scott Fox, I was looking at that tweet saying, Charlie Winfield, I'm going to start Houston Harding on Friday.
1: Oh, I deleted it. (laughs) I'm not above cleaning up my tracks, man. Oh, man. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, But I will say the sentiment was generally in agreement with me. And, look, I want to be clear. That's not a knock on McLeod. Look, he just didn't have it. And you could see that today. And it wasn't a situation where they just – had some ground balls with eyes where they had some bloops. They were squaring it up, and it was over the middle of the plate. And I just believe, you know, was it Skip Bertman used to call this the marbles game because this was playing yes. for all the marbles. you got to win this one.
0: 25 of the last 30 national champions have started 2-0. and Only five times in the last 30 years has a team not started 2-0. and So, the, I mean, this this puts you in a spot right here. To, to have a chance. And there's you know, been five times. Two of the last four have lost some games early and come back to winning. Talk to Josh Lovelady, and we talk about Christian tonight just not having the breaking ball. And we've talked about this all season long, Charlie, about how for Christian McLeod to be successful, he has to have either A, the curveball working or the changeup working. Tonight he just didn't have it. If you're catching behind the plate, how early can you tell of, hey, this guy Hank t- tonight's the night he just doesn't have it
2: you know from experience and I've never caught Christian McLeod but from experience you know some nights you can tell in the bullpen before you go in the game that hey there may be an early exit and, and you could be completely wrong but there, there would be instances where you know you would understand that uh this guy's stuff may not be as good but sometimes when you get in that situation you get in the game and the guy's stuff is not as good but he's He's still finding a way to get outs, and you know I think the the thing for Christian is obviously it was a tough outing, um, but with the amount of rest you get at the College World Series and where our team is sitting, he he needs to keep his mindset basically, you know, positive, completely moving forward because he's going to have to throw again, and obviously everybody wants to win a national championship, and I think for to win a national championship, he's going to have to be in the game at some point, um, just because of how much more is left uh, in the series out there. So, you know, I, tough outing for him. Uh, his stuff was really not there. Uh, I think that he's going his best when he can really command his fastball to both sides of the plate, get ahead of hitters, and, and then use his off speed to put people away. But um, just, you know, he keep his head on straight, be ready to throw again when he's asked, um, and and he'll be fine. Here's the
0: thing we haven't talked about. I mean, we're talking about us right now. But how about Virginia – and the pitching outing tonight that they got from McGarry, seven and a third, had a no-hitter going to the eighth inning, and every Mississippi State beat writer, including myself, was tweeting for everybody and their brothers, just to remind <laughs> you that you had a no-hitter going. I mean, the heck with all this other stuff. I mean, if it's our guy, we're not saying a word, okay? But here's the thing I thought about McGarry tonight, and even our guys in the bullpen. And Here's where I thought it was exceptional pitching tonight all around. I thought the plate I thought the plate tonight was a legitimate strike zone. I thought the umpire did a good job tonight. Nothing two balls off the plate. It's not like McGarry's up there dominating us with a strike zone that's two balls off. And it's not like our guys are keeping it where it is with two balls off. He was not a pitcher's umpire tonight. He was legitimate. Everything I mean, I I, I don't recall a time where I said Eh, that probably – here's what I was taught when I was used to umpire baseball. And I heard it from an old guy one time. He he told me, he said, let me tell you something. It's okay to call some borderline pitches one way or the other, but when the people who don't know baseball know that you messed up, don't have any of those. He didn't have anything tonight that was just egregious.
2: I thought that was the best umpire have seen in the really the whole postseason since we started now. Obviously, there's been some very, very good pitching performances in the College World Series, but, yeah, I mean, he was consistent. He wasn't giving that outer half strike. You know, when I used to catch, I would inch out every pitch until he wouldn't give it to me anymore, and, and you know, that guy tonight was just – he was very consistent on what he called. Uh, he, did, he did not go out of the zone, which, you know, as, as bad as it was early on for us tonight, it was almost a night – to be a hitter outside of facing McGarry, which he was he was on another level tonight.
1: My problem with the umpires was not ball strikes. It was a replays. Mine was mechanics yeah. and, and replays. And the decision of to getting together, meeting go back to the Rowdy Jordan hit by pitch, for example. First we're gonna say he didn't, then we're gonna get together. We're gonna huddle up. We're gonna talk about it. And a guy calling bases Somehow tells that he was hit when the umpire couldn't. And then we're going to tell everybody what we're doing, and only then are we going to go do the replay. Could have been a little quicker on that. Yeah, I got no problem with that. I mean, that's that's a legitimate complaint, to be honest with you. And the real problem with it is when they take that much time, I have to listen to Eduardo Perez longer. Well, and don't that get me going. Is an issue. And, and hey, there's an unwritten rule about
0: broadcasters talking about other broadcasts. And I'm not talking. Let me tell you this. I think Kyle Peterson's phenomenal. He I think is. Kyle Peterson, I think Ben McDonald is the best in the game. Absolutely, bar none, no doubt. And I'm not taking shots at Carl Rabbits because I know this is the only. College baseball he sees all year long. Same with Eduardo. But, you know, the last time Eduardo hit a pitch over here at Duty Noble, hit a line drive into a double play. So I got no problem with that either. Here's what I do have a
1: problem with. Here's what I got a problem with. This is where you clear the space, throw it into the post, and let the big man run. <laughs> you just isolate and you clear out right here, Here's Josh. what I got a problem
0: with. If, if, if I'm working in marketing media relations anywhere right now, and I go back and I watch that ball game, and I'm tied at all to Mississippi State, and I watch that broadcast – I'm calling a producer from ESPN tomorrow morning and saying, you were horse crap last night to us. Everything, every parent, every nuanced little story, everything about that broadcast tonight was about Virginia. I might as well have been watching the ACC Plus Network and seeing the Barton Charlie of Virginia tonight. That's the way I felt. And it's not about Kyle Peterson. It's about that guy in the truck who's telling them what to do, and I'm sorry – that's just the way I feel, and, and I may be wrong, and I apologize if I'm wrong. But I, I tonight turned into that fan, and a lot of times I see it on the Facebook, you know, the Facebook groups and everything. Man, they're they're just not for Mississippi State. And I'm sitting there going, no, it's not how it works. Tonight was not a good broadcast
1: at all toward Mississippi State. I thought you nailed it. I think it was yesterday during the Vanderbilt game. And by the way, Al Leiter – is the father of Jack Leiter. Wow. You know, it was almost like, did you know that
0: Kramer Robertson's mom <laughs> <That's right>. coach, <laughs> coach basketball at Baylor?
1: Wow. So, my I thought your tweet nailed it. And and that said that uh, they treat it like the Little League World Series. So, tonight, for example, Tanner Allen hits one, hits a low ball. I think he grounds out. And as he's running to first base – well, he's a good fisherman, but he couldn't fish one out there. I mean, what, what are we doing? And I don't care what their favorite bands are. I don't care that – I just – We ain't got the ice cream. I, I don't like the ump cam.
0: I don't mind the ump cam as far as a replay. I hate the ump cam during live play. Yeah, and to me, to me, that's College – that's a Little League World Series. Do you ever see that? To me, that's my point. Do you ever see that in a major league broadcast? These guys are closer to major league players than they are Little League World Series. And it's almost like they try to reinvent the wheel with a
1: college world because you don't see that in anybody's broadcast any time during the season. I'm just a believer that the game sells itself. I think the product is good. Look, we've seen some incredible baseball, and that's what's frustrating about it. So last night I'm sitting there just being driven crazy. I didn't like Al Leiter when he pitched for the Yankees. I liked him even less when he pitched for the Mets.
0: I think he's a good guy, though. I've been told he's a
1: good guy. No, he's a good guy. I just – I don't but like But I don't care Mets. about that. Yeah. No, he's a good guy. But I would be mad if I were him. Yes. At what point can I go to the game and just watch the game and be left alone and watch my son play baseball? But I think the product is good enough. If you go back, we have seen in the Mississippi State-Texas game, I said that's – perhaps the greatest pitching matchup I've seen in college baseball. And we talked about comparing it to Chris Stratton and Kevin Galsman down in Baton Rouge. And then we come back last night and that game was it high and um and lighter. I mean, that was amazing. And but we leave worried about other things. But hey, I noticed Josh kinda like backing away from the table when we start making fun of <laughs> announcers here. So uh Josh is like, Man, these guys are always positive every time we're the guys that'll smile
0: and catch you in the back. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just got I just saw a tweet from uh from Kendall Rogers and he's got a good pick of the uh, the team hotel, the Hilton downtown in Omaha. I think it's mass hysteria right now. Which is kinda crazy because that's where Virginia's staying too. I mean, <laughs> That's what you know. When we went to to Omaha in 2013, we got up there and we had to share the hotel. We stayed in the DoubleTree downtown, and so they always have two teams up there in the same place. And we were sharing a hotel with LSU, which the first couple of days was like, "Golly, this is going to be brutal." But they went two in the queue, which was great. It just opened the hotel, whole whole hotel up to for us. But man, how would you like to be Virginia coming back to the hotel tonight?
1: Yeah, oh, you know, and and so you bring up something. I never, it is my rule to never try to pick an opponent out of a player, a group of teams, because always get burned. That being said, do you have a favorite in the matchup between Texas and I never, Virginia?
0: I, I never ask for anybody. I never ask for anybody. And it's one of those things, too. If you're a fan, do not tweet anything at their people, at their Twitter accounts, talking trash in any way, because you got to play somebody. Oh,
1: man. I was. I was ready to hunt down the people doing all the horns down stuff because all I could see was Carmo's about to come back and get us and we're gonna lose to Texas after losing tonight. <laughs> all right, here's what we gotta do.
0: Here's what we gotta do. <laughs> you got Josh Lovelady in the studio tonight and but, but first before we go into any more detail, it's time now for our stats brought to you by Maroon and White Realty. Maroon and White Realty, Sterling Dahl and the gang on the Star Avenue here in Starwell, just on the south part of town, right over there by Obie's. If you're going to Obie's, right there at uh, Star Avenue. And so Sterling and those guys, they they know everything that's going on in the real estate market. If you're looking for someone to manage your condos, if you have a bunch of condos in Startwell looking for someone to do it right, just that property management is such a big key. You want somebody you can trust. And also, if you're looking for a condo, if you're looking for a new home, if you're looking to move to Starkville, you can move out by Josh. He lives out at Brandon Creek, and they can get you set up out there. But Sterling Dahl and the gang at Maroon and White Realty bringing you our post-game stats. Final line totals in the game. State, six runs, six hits, commit uh, no errors. Airless baseball tonight for both teams. Dogs left seven on the bases. Virginia tonight, five runs, 12 hits. And the Who's left 10 on the bases. 10, T-I-N. Virginia, leadoff guy, Galoff three for four teal went three for for five and then you had newell down in the ninth spot in the order they had three guys with three hits tonight and then he had number two hole hitter katia he he had two hits he was two for three in the game and so they had five guys or actually four guys with multiple hits in the game we didn't have a single guy
1: with multiple hits in the game they had four we had none and yet we win six hits can but i say it can i say it now we won. That's baseball. <laughs>
0: McGarry tonight for Virginia. Seven and a third of work. He was outstanding. Two runs, both earned on one hit. Eight strikeouts, two walks. One one walk was big. He threw ninety eight pitches, sixty four strikes. His ERA came down to five four four. I and mean, when we saw he was starting today, and everybody was talking about, man, Virginia starters zero and five with a six zero six ERA. We got this in the bag. No, no, no let me tell you something. This guy is essentially
1: – Go ahead. You can say it.
0: He's essentially – he's he's Eric Sarantola that's figured it out here in the last month of the season. He's got the stuff. And, I, and this is not a knock at Eric. This guy just it, – it clicked. And sooner or later, it's going to click for Eric Sarantola. It may be in single A, double A, somewhere. That, that light is going – that light bulb is going to pop for Eric like it's popped for McGarry. And McGarry's had it pop over the last couple of weeks. He went seven and a third – and then he was the first of five, and then, you know, shock right there, man. He, he takes the loss and goes four and two, two runs on two hits, face four batters in the game. And so that's the, the Virginia stats. I was about to call them Missouri. Very similar, decent journalism schools, I guess. I don't know. State had six hits in the game, had one hit each from six different guys. Rowdy Jordan was one for four. Tanner Allen was, of course, a big one for four. Hancock was one for four. You had a one-for-two day for Brule, a one-for-three day for Kellen Clark, one-for-two for for Josh Atcher. How big was that hit by Brule to give you the two-run lead in the top of the eighth inning? That was massive. Because, Josh, you know this, man, and we try to preach this sometimes on the broadcast. It's amazing the difference in a one-run lead and a two-run lead going in the last two
2: at-bats. Yeah, the mentality completely changes if you give that extra run. I mean, you know, and everybody was talking about it tonight, we need one more, we need one more. Now with Sims, I guess it's a little different. But not everybody has a Sims, and those guys don't come around often. But it it definitely, as a player, and even as a coach, and I have not been in that spot, but managing in that situation, it makes it a whole lot easier – uh, to go into those last couple innings with more than a one-run lead, especially, you know, when you're dealing with college kids, that you know, the emotions of the game. Are it's up and down and up and down. So it's definitely a good thing to have more than a one-run lead.
0: And we've talked about the state pitching stats already, and it's those stats, all these stats brought to you by Maroon and White Realty, Maroon and White Realty. Property management, so that's where they make their hay. And, of course, if you're looking for a condo or anything in the will market, give Sterling Dahl a call. That rhymes. And uh, he'll he'll get you hooked up for anything you need from a real estate standpoint. Just looking through here and talking about that big base hit from Scotty Brule, you just look through. We talked about Hatcher early on. You know, Kellum Clark has not looked clean. I mean, he, he's looked like a freshman over the last couple of weeks. He swung in a fastball that was running away from him earlier on in the game. And I tell you what, when you go up there in a game like that, and so when 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 the chips are down, you got the leadoff guy on, you just drawn a walk to get a guy on base, you're down four to nothing, and we're talking to Josh Lovelady. Is it a situation of I thought Brad Cumbus earlier in the game, following the had a really tough at bat early on because they had just walked the rule. You had some big misses, and then he comes up and swings at a breaking ball way out of the zone. It's almost like you give a reprieve to the pitcher. And so in that situation, how tough is it to try to make your mind, when you go to the plate with a plan of, am I going to try to work this guy a little bit longer? He's having some big misses. And if you're Kellum Clark going up there, hey, are you just – locked in and saying if he throws me a fastball down the pipe I'm going to take him downtown and I'm just going to swallow anything else.
2: Kellen is very talented but I, it definitely looks like coaching took a pretty big role in his last at bat. It's almost like his approach changed and everything was simplified. Um, obviously necessarily probably was not trying to hit on run but the bat path that that guy takes. He obviously is a very pure hitter and, and the path that he takes, he he has a chance to run a bunch of balls out of the yard in the future as well. But you know, it it's almost it was almost pretty cool to watch him come up in that instance. Number one, he you know, there's not a ton of pressure on him because he's not the guy right now. Yeah, um, you know, and, and which shows what Tanner Allen did. You know, everybody in America is like, it's on you, man. This is this is your at bat. But you know, I. Kellum, what an experience he'll never forget, and it'll be great for us in the future, uh, you know, when we get in big situations with him at bat. But, you know, the the pitch that he hit was right over the middle of the plate, and, and I was really glad to see him put a good swing on it. And, um, you know, luckily it went out of the yard. Yeah, it was a rocket. So, In context,
0: Charlie – we had the big home run from Hunter Renfro in 2013. That was in the Friday game. That was the game to get it to get you into the National Championship Series. But putting things into context, and we talk about history a lot here, I mean, where, where do you throw that Tanner Allen home run? To me, hey, to me it's top five. To me it's one of the top five home runs in the history of Mississippi State
1: baseball. I think it has to be. You go back and, you know, I can think of obviously some walk-offs. I remember Leninfa having a walk-off home run, Tracy Eccles having a walk-off. Obviously, the Burke Masters home run is, you know, at the top of the list. It's an epic shot. But I can't think of many in that type moment, in that type stage. Look, man, this was as important a game. I want to I say this, and I'm going to let you two tell me that I'm wrong. I think one could make the argument, and I recognize we had the big win over Arkansas in 16, and we win the SEC. I think one could argue that this is the biggest game we've played since 2013.
0: I can somewhat go there because in you know 18, we won the first two games, and we we're we're sitting in the same situation. Westburg hit the big grand slam against North Carolina.
1: So let me and let me. I thought about so, that. Let me say why. That team was playing above itself. It
0: was. And but is this team too? It is, but Okay, I'm gonna put it in context for you. Here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say the was same so
1: much going on in I'm, that
0: year. I'm gonna say the same thing about the Burke Masters home run. I think this home run by Allen is accentuated by what happens now. I think, you know, Burke Masters home run was a big home run, but it's it's not as big of a home run if you know, Tommy Raffo doesn't have the double on Monday. We've talked about that several Absolutely. times. Absolutely. And so now I think that's one of the things you have to put it in a historical context is what happens now. If if you go on and you I don't want to say it, but if don't you do something if you do something crazy,
1: um If we're talking next week.
0: If we're talking this time next week, then it's a it's a massive, massive home run. And so um yeah, I put it. But, a...
1: but let me ask you this question: For, Leave aside the home run, and Josh, you—I think you can speak to this too. I think, you know, we all kind of fell into line. If you go back and look, you know, people our age, we're just wired to know about Clark Palmero and Pete and all these guys, and obviously great, great players. But in many cases, in our memories, become perfect. You know, your memories of guys who are your heroes. You don't remember the times they struck out. You remember the big hits. And so sometimes it's very hard to judge a player in today's game versus what the guys in the past did. You know, Jake Mangum was the guy, if he went one for four, kids went home and remembered the one. You know, there was just something magic about Jake Mangum that guys remembered the good that he did, and it had a lot to do with how he played. Tanner Allen does not have a Jake Mangum personality on the field. You know what I'm saying? He is – He's not dull at all, but, you know, Jake seems a little bit like – and I'll ask Josh probably not to comment on this. Jake seems like the teammate who just won't shut up, you know, (laughs) that you just want to be quiet now and then on the bus, you know. Tanner Tanner seems like
0: the good old boy.
1: Yeah, Tanner Allen seems like the guy who knows where you can jump a fence late at night and catch some bass and not get in trouble for it. Um And I think because of that, we sometimes analyze him a little bit differently. But I think one can ask a very legitimate question. If you go back in the past decade, if you go back in the past two decades, how was this guy not, a? I mean, just a top handful of players that Mississippi State's had? I was thinking about that
0: today. I was th- actually thinking about that on the drive here.
1: I mean, okay. Rooker's Rooker. The guy Rook- won the triple crown.
0: Rook- Rooker is Rooker. You can almost put him on the
2: wall of honor right now.
1: I mean, Josh, I mean, this is a big-time guy, don't you think? Absolutely.
2: I, I think the top of our lineup with both Rowdy and Tanner, are, are, I don't think you're going to get better guys than them in terms of being a gamer and getting it done in big moments, it's really tough to get it any better than that. And I've only been affiliated with Mississippi State since the fall of 2014. But, I I mean, I was very fortunate to play with Rooker and Mangum, and and, and those guys are very special players. But if you look at this team in the present, it's just hard. When you look back at our year and look at the big moments – it's hard to beat those two guys at the top of the lineup. And, and what Tanner Allen did and what he's done in big situations, it's really hard to beat that. And, and obviously I'm not as um, filled with all the stats of the guys of the past at Mississippi State. But, but since I've been affiliated with Mississippi State, the, the things that Tanner Allen does in big situations is really hard to beat uh, in, in – really both of those guys I mean so it, I think he's right there with the rest of them obviously Rooker you know the year that he had uh, I don't know that we'll ever see a year like that again but um, you know Tanner Allen if, if, if he comes up in a big situation on Friday I would be I would probably put a lot of money on it that he may do something good in that situation he's walking right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or put him on. Probably That's it. right. If I'd the bases were loaded, I might put him on and give up one run instead of four.
0: Okay, the obvious tonight, you know, the play of the game tonight is is the home run. It's so the,
1: let's let's take that off the board then. Shall okay, we? and I think we I'll, all pick our plays. The game. Let's uh, disqualify. Okay,
0: that. the play of the game brought to you by Maroon and White Realty. No, it's by Two Brothers. Two Brothers Smoke Meats. I did this the other night too. I'm just so giddy right now, man. Two Brothers Smoke Meats on University Drive. They they. I wonder if they're still open right now. I could take some of those tacos. Cheese fries. Charlie likes the the tacos. I like the smoke wings. So let's take off the home runs tonight. You can't say the home runs, but the big plays of the game. And do you want me to go first? I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. I want to go first. Can I go first? You can go first. I think the plays of the game tonight was the second inning.
1: Dang it. (laughs) <laughs> don't no, no 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 i knew no, i should have jumped on this no
0: no so I w- i'm gonna go i'm gonna go second inning bases are loaded and you got preston johnson on the mound and everything is going wrong at that point and you're trying to keep it for nothing you have got to keep it for nothing if to to give yourself a chance virginia virginia had the game one right there they had the game in hand and the back-to-back strikeouts of of Kent and Tapping right there to end the second inning, and to keep it four nothing. Because man, you know they had hit the the RBI double from Newell, then they had the RBI double for the top of the order, and then back-to-back singles. And one of those was off of Preston Johnson, where it was just a situation where Scotty's you know, shaded up the middle looking for the double play ball. So you got the infield single, then the hit batsman, but then the ability to get out of the inning. I thought that to me. Looking back at the game, you didn't know it at the time, but looking back at the game, getting out of that to me was massive. <sighs> um, and I knew Charlie was going there. And Josh, what, <laughs> would you
1: like to go now? Do you have a play of the game you want to share with us? You can go ahead, Charlie. Oh, I'm man. Because I, I like that moment as well. All right. So then I'm going to go, and I talked about this earlier. I am going to give my play of the game to Chase Patrick because Chase Patrick came out of the bullpen in the fourth inning and there were runners on the corners and one down. They had moved a guy with a sacrifice bunt. How many times can we say that tonight? But they've got so a leadoff single at the top of the order, moving with a bunt, he ends up third. We've got a single by Teal after the bunt. So you've got runners on the corners. Chase Patrick comes in, throws three pitches, gets the Taylor made double play to second base. And at the time, you think, well, that's a nice job by Chase Patrick. He came in, got a double play. Oh, we're still losing because we can't hit. But you, when you go back and you add it up, that is one of the performances, one of the situations to me that was crucial in the same type vein is the job by Preston Johnson the second.
0: I've got another one, but I want but I'm but
2: I'm gonna see I'm gonna see if Josh pops mine. So
1: I you know in terms of the
2: the actual influence on the game and the outcome of the game, I don't know if this play had a huge outcome on the, the game. But the play that Cameron James made
1: Thankum, that's
2: where I was going. <laughs> two guys on base. Yeah, two guys on base. Big moment in the game. I mean did it have a contributing factor at that point? Maybe not, but but the play itself. Hopefully, it's going to be a top ten play on on Sports Center. Uh,
1: but man, that play, that play was in the sixth, right? Yeah, it ended the sixth inning. Okay, and so you look at that, guys in the corners, corners. right there. Yeah, and so man, we're man, at the spot where any one thing probably beats you. And Teals at the
0: plate, who's three for three. I mean, you've got the guy at the plate who's the leading hitter on this ball club with runners at first and third, and and you dive into the stands to make a play.
1: Think about that. Anything at all beats you. Just anything beats you, and we made – that's the thing. Because think about how this game unfolds as a fan, very different than as a player. But as a fan who's kind of living and dying on every at-bat, in those middle innings, I've talked to people who are mowing their yard I was driving around town. You were offending your wife and children. Yes. Um, although I'm not sure your son you could offend uh, <laughs> based on my knowledge of young Sims. Uh, but, uh, I, uh, But you know, if he you offended look at it, me. He offended me tonight. <laughs> Anything
0: you me tell you when he offended me? When Tanner Allen hit the <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: you know, if you look at it, though, that's as a fan right there, you're kind of in a little bit of a give-up mode. You're in a bad mood. And there was a lot of big plays made during those times when emotionally we were down. But if you take them away, this puzzle doesn't fit the same way it does. Absolutely not. Hey, I could sit here all night. All right. Before you – I know
0: this is Bart's kind of – We're at 46 minutes. I know, but before we, try not we go – we, we try not to bore people too long. Before
1: <laughs> we go, though, I want to go back to something. I want Josh to talk about one thing that he saw looking at pitching tonight and that is you made a comment when you were walking in that it looked like guys were uncomfortable sliding down the mound. Talk about what you were seeing. Yeah, I and whether or not this affected McLeod, I'm not sure,
2: and I could be completely wrong, but, but there was a an instance in the game when Preston Johnson came in that, that he obviously was not comfortable with where his front foot was landing, and I don't know. I mean, I don't think it rained very hard at the park, uh, and I, I don't know if, if – the way they dressed, top dressed it, it wasn't, you know, it just they were not landing properly. He was obviously not comfortable with it. I don't know if that had to do with some of what McLeod was working on. But, I mean, as a pitcher, it, it, if the foot that you land with is not comfortable, it's going to be really hard to make pitches because if you've got that going on in your head, that's one more thing you have to think about. And, obviously, where your front foot lands is very important. And if you were to slip or something, you could obviously be injured. But you know that could have been contributing to, to McLeod's outing. And obviously, I'm, I'm not one to make excuses for somebody. But I, it was a noticeable thing. Preston Johnson had to kind of adjust the landing spot, so um, it didn't really look like it was affecting McGarry. But um, you know, so uh, let me ask this question: Could
0: it been a byproduct of McGarry? because I've seen some guys go out and say McGarry has a landing spot and he's kind of dug something out and all of a sudden my landing spot's completely different than his that may be my landing spot may be on the side of his and sometimes that may may mess you up a little bit
2: yeah it could be it, it could definitely be that obviously you as you all may know pitchers are pretty strange so and I got to deal with them my whole career but or McGarry may have had a longer stride. I'm not sure. He may not, he may have had a completely different hole, so to speak, uh, than what our some of our guys did. But definitely, Preston Johnson at one point in the game, he slid a little, which it didn't seem like it was affecting him too much. But it's crazy as a player or as a former player, there are things that are so small within the game that can really affect the way you perform. And the way that you you know you plant on your lead foot could have a lot to do with that. So um, that could be part of the deal. Here, here's to me what what you know what stands out with what you just said
0: is maybe we should all be like Vanderbilt, a <laughs> <Maybe, kind of laughs> turf mound out there. <laughs> let's roll it out More there. Sooth. Let's just <laughs> let's just roll it out there like they do at the oh. at the twelve year old you know. Little, uh, the Grand Slam tournament and at the quarry down in Brandon. Let's just roll out that turf mail. All
1: right. So, uh, here's what I'd like to do, Bart. Before you just send us to break and send us off for another few days, I'd like everybody to have their closing part today. Just your what's your closing comment on this ball game today? I am.
0: Um, I'm not as mentally strong as I used to be because I watched the game tonight almost like a defeatist through the first seven innings. It was one of those, we got a guy out here who's got a six ERA who's 0-5, who hadn't won a daggum game all year long. And we get in the College World Series, and you talk about, you know, those rat moments. He was about to random – I'm going to stop there. Just one of those just random moments where that guy comes out there and you're like, Virginia is going to erect a daggum statue – because of the way he pitches tonight. <laughs> and I thought that's where we were. And, and and so it it also goes back to show you why this game is so great, it is because the game changes if you can just get in the bullpen. Charlie and I were tweeting that we were trying to get a rainstorm. We were trying to get a good <laughs> rainstorm to come up because the game changes whenever that bullpen door opens. You talked about it that a minute ago, Josh. Just from a mentality standpoint as a player – when you've got a guy on the mound who has your number, and everybody in the ballpark knows he's got your number, sometimes when that door opens, when that door opens, you're like, "Okay, all right, game on." And it's that's the way it felt tonight. You get the home run, and like you said, when the bullpen door opened, it's almost like, "All right, this this ball game is ours, or can be ours."
2: Yeah, I I know, uh, and and I'd really like to say that. We're proud of the guys and the coaching staff. I know Coach Lamonis gives a shirt out every game, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure what it means, but I don't really think that any one player or any one play in the game deserves a shirt. I think it was everybody involved within the the program um, tonight and um, the resiliency that it showed because, again, you, you had a guy that was in an autopilot mode that was 95 to 97, and, He had a really wipeout slider that that we've taken swings that I've really not really seen us take this year. And and the fact to, you know, go 0 for 3 initially in the game with some bad at-bats and and then the bullpen gate opened, so to speak, and and we really just changed the whole dynamic of the game and got the uh, momentum on our side. It was really cool to watch uh, as a former player because, you know, I know a lot of people are you know, angry, why can't we hit him? And I've got people texting me saying, what's going on? Why can't we hit him? And it, but at the end of the night, we did win. Uh, we faced a guy that potentially is going to be a big leaguer that probably made a lot of money tonight. Um, but, you know, we got him out of the game. And um, as soon as that bullpen door opened, the game changed. And, and I will say, is anytime their door opens and our door opens, I like our chances. So uh, it was a really fun night and look forward to the next
1: night we play. Overall for us, I was left with this. It takes 27 outs to beat this team, and we've seen it all year long that this team – look, if people talk about comebacks and waiting to the end, the bottom line is it takes 27 outs to beat somebody. You can't step off the mound. You can't run out the clock. You can't go to the four corners. you got to throw it up there. Or, 10 rounds to the plate, you could just walk him. But you got to deliver it, and we took advantage. I do worry a little bit. Bart that we're all probably a little bit too high tonight. We still gotta win another. Although we're in a good spot and so I will just leave with this. Could see Ty Madden on Friday. Sure could. That'll uh make you sleep a little more restless tonight, won't it?
0: But I'll tell you this, I, I feel good about having Houston Harding. I feel good about having a change up against all those right handed hitters. Yes. And and so that to me that's the thing about tonight is you know, Bart Crazy Bart trying to coach tonight would have hit the panic button and I'd have burnt our number three guy. And so I'm glad I'm not the guy who's burning the number three guy because we got a guy going on Friday. And here, here's the thing, too. Now, now you ask yourself the question. You got two days' rest. You talk about the College World Series spread out. Now you got two days' rest before you get to Friday. You've used a lot of Landon Sims, and now he's got two days' rest. I don't know if you use him Friday. I don't know if you can because he was spinning sliders tonight, and that was it. I would love to get him to the point where you're feeling good about it. If you had to have him Saturday, say you lose the Friday game and have to have him Saturday, all hands on deck. But everybody else.
1: Not a single person's off the list for Friday. Not a single. Other than him, probably. Not a
0: single guy, and here's the thing about it. The next time Cade Smith goes to the mound, the next time Parker Stinnett goes to the mound, the next time Stone Simmons goes to the mound, the next time Preston Johnson goes to the mound, it won't be the first time they hit the mound in a College World Series. I think experience on that mound and in this stage is so big. And I don't care if you had success tonight or didn't have success. The second time you walk out there is different. Yes. It's completely different. And so that's why I feel good about it. Josh, it's, hey, a comfort, so. it's a comfort. It's a comfort. It's a comfort. Second time you do something. So, hey, appreciate you coming over tonight. I mean, you're going to take my spots, what it is, man. Charlie's trying to root me out of here. That's what it is. Nah, I started tweeting people, man. I felt <laughs> bad tonight. Golly. I mean, I'm, I, I was in just a bad mood tonight. And I apologize if I offended anyone tonight. So it,
1: I, I just like that you threw the word if in there. <laughs> as if there's some question
0: oh yeah maybe you did i hope not so state wins it tonight dogs come from behind and win six to five over virginia we will play at six o'clock on friday night two days off we'll play the winner of virginia and texas so texas survives today they knock off tennessee so texas and virginia will play thursday and then we'll get them the winner of that one on friday and so now, you know, right now we're in a good spot. Right now we're in a good spot. So you feel good about it. But a long, 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 long way to go. So dogs win at 6-5. to five. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us for Charlie Winfield and Josh Lovelady. Appreciate you stepping in tonight, Josh. I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on the post-game wrap brought to you by Bank First, Maroon and White Realty, and two brothers, Smoke Meats. Appreciate y'all.